you do this. I know I do it a lot. I have these conversations in my head, a little more than thinking, which, uh, did you see that like funny tweet where it's like the little girl goes to the doctor and is freaking out because she's hearing voices, but the doctor's like, no, that's just thinking. Lately, I've been uh, doing more of this. Sometimes this conversations in my head are arguments against others. Sometimes it's that whole like, what I should have said in that moment is this, or I'm preparing for the arguments that are coming by lining those up, and I say, this is what I'm going to say, these schemes and plans, doing my very best to make sure that I have every angle covered, every option, no matter what is going to be said, I'm going to come out okay. I don't know if you do that or if that's just me, but I, I build up these walls, these little towers of defense, this tiny house. But even with all my scheming and planning and conversations, I still find myself constantly worrying about where do I stand, where I stand with others based on the, uh, the social cues that they give me, where do I stand based on my successes, my failures, and at the end of the night, find myself reframing it in my head trying to make sure that everything is okay so I can get to sleep. I feel like I've been building my own house with my own bricks, my own mortar, my own wood, trying to keep out pain, trying to keep my fear at bay, doing my best to control everything. found myself convincing myself that God's role in my life is simply to fill in the cracks where my walls have some issues. And it's my job to build. And in today's text, I think we're going to find that what we need is God to tear down our houses, to place us on his rock, on his word. We are in need of God to take us back to his word, to his heart, to his home. Today, our scripture shows us what has power and authority. And in those conversations that I've been having in my head, it seems it's time for me to stand and to choose. What does have the power and authority in my life? Will it be sin? Will it be myself? Will it be what has happened to me? Will it be fear? A mix of everything? Or does it need to be something else? And our gospel reading today is on the backside of that order of service that you had there. It follows our gospel text from last week that Pastor Stottero took us through. We saw Jesus pick up the scroll of Isaiah. We saw him read it and then tell the people that today that scripture will be fulfilled in your presence. He said that to the people of Nazareth who didn't take it very well. If you remember, they tried to kill him. But as the text concludes, he simply walked right past them. Heads down the high valley of Nazareth and makes his way to Capernaum, to the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And although Jesus grew up in Nazareth, and was known as Jesus of Nazareth, Capernaum and the surrounding area of Galilee eventually become where he does the bulk of his ministry. See, Capernaum was this busy fishing and commercial center, had its own synagogue right there on the northwest shore of the sea. And in this area, we will see Jesus teach. We will see him call disciples. We will see him do many miracles, including healings, casting out demons, and in one instance, raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And like I just mentioned, at Nazareth, Jesus was announcing that whole freedom, the declaring of the good news of the poor, the release of the prisoners. And in our reading today, he demonstrates that calling. The teaching and the preaching of the good news of the kingdoms and the miracle he does, friend, and miracles he does, friends, confirms the message that God's kingdom 
is breaking into human history. Unless we forget that God's kingdom still is here. Breaking into our history, into our lives, into our homes. And today we will look at three different events with a common theme, all taking place in Capernaum. So if you'll follow along with me, again, it's on the back sheet of that paper. It's in your Bibles if you brought them. It'll also appear magically in the screens behind me. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before them and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed, said to each other, what words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. First, they're amazed at the content, amazed at the authority with which Jesus is speaking, because Jesus did not rely on centuries of rabbinical opinion to back up everything he said. He simply stated the truth and let it stand for itself with his own authority backing it up. Apparently, they were accustomed to teachers who talked a lot but didn't say very much. Jesus, on the other hand, was teaching God's word in its truth and in its purity, words of authority. Not like what we see in John where those, uh, uh, the, the temple guards are like, we've never seen anyone speak the way this guy does. Or as if he's just some charismatic, entertaining speaker that was really cool and we liked when he said this one part. His word had the authority and power to do what no one else's could. Expel demons, heal the sick, forgive sins. And that's what amazed them even more. Jesus' power demonstrated in casting out a demon. When words are connected to Jesus, lives change. And as he was teaching, a man's life is changed. This man suddenly interrupts his class, a demon-possessed man, screaming at the top of his lungs, what do you have to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And although the demon's words are true, they're still probably a little disruptive. They interrupted the class. Now, it's not a stretch to look at this and say the forces of evil hate it when the people of God are gathering together to study God's word, and they will do whatever it takes to stop such a gathering. But friends, do not let that stop you. Live a life where his word is regularly heard, always being read, always being spoken. Let his word and its authority consume you, flood over you, That's the purpose of the word. It's why it's there for you, right in your grasp, in your midst. Don't let it be dust in the shelf. Grab it, cling to it, and be in it. Now, Jesus immediately stops the disruption with what? Be silent, come out. What a difference. Any Jewish or pagan exorcist would use a long incantation, magical liturgy to do their work, trying to scare the spirits away. Jesus simply spoke, and it was done, and the people are amazed. 
And as you look at that demon there, that unclean spirit, all seem to be the same, right? Whether it's in scripture, whether it's an unclean spirit, an evil spirit, or a demon, it's usually the same. This whole going back to what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6, 12, these rulers, these principalities, these powers of spiritual forces of evil. Pastor Tim gave a great message today at 8.30. Check that out to hear a little bit more about that. And I don't know if you found it surprising, but look at what the word the demon uses, the us. Did you come to destroy us? Because they know already these demonic forces that the arrival of Jesus is the end of these powers. And we see it. What choice did the demon have but to be able to be cast out? And I love that he calls him the Holy One of God. We don't see that term given to Jesus very often, especially as his title for Messiah. Now, we saw it given to Aaron in the Old Testament, the first high priest of God who used to make intercession for the people and would separate the unclean from the clean. But we know that Aaron failed, especially when it came to the whole golden calf. But look at Jesus, who is our great high priest the Holy One of God, living forever to completely save all those who would call on Him. Living forever to intercede for you at the right hand of the Father. It is why when we pray, we pray in Christ's name, because He is interceding for us, separating us from our sin and gathering us to Himself and taking that to the Father. Jesus, who will remove pride and all sin and create in us a clean heart, a right spirit. And perhaps you came here today because you are in need spiritually. Need the Lord to separate some sin that has been posing as the power and authority of your life. caught yourself in this loop of doing the same thing, repeatedly failing and sinning and asking for another chance and then finding yourself right back. Finding it difficult to get out of your own head, your own heart. Looking at the lives of sin and in those moments of prayer, afraid to ask the Lord if there is room for your own heart in His house. Because your heart has been worried. Your heart has been burdened. Your heart has been broken. Your heart is afraid. But the Holy One of God has another title that I love dearly, Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace says your heart is not your own but His. The Prince of Peace, Jesus, has the authority and the power to help you to heal you, and wants to. Do you think that your sin is too great? That the Lord would be ashamed of it or unable to remove it? The Lord looks at you and knows that you do not have what it takes, so He comes to you. You are His. We trust in the love of Jesus Christ, a love that He has for us, that showed to us It's time we stop letting our mind or our body tell us that it has power and authority over us. But to let the rock, the word of God, crash down on our sticks and straw houses. And let the power and authority of the word of God come. 
If you find yourself in need spiritually, it's time to ask Jesus to deliver you from the things that would hold you bound, to place your trust in the promises in his words. There's a reason we make that sign of the cross, to remember who we belong to. And do it when you pray. A simple prayer today. Cross yourself and say, Jesus, deliver me. Deliver me, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Deliver me, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Hands open. Trusting. And letting the power of his word bring you healing. Next we see Peter going into Simon, or next we see Jesus going into Peter's house. Now it's not unusual to bring people over on home on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, I'm coming with you. And somewhere along the way, Peter mentions that his mother-in-law was very ill with a high fever. And once Jesus is aware of the woman's condition, he's going to go heal her. So here it is, verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue, went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Love how Luke, the great physician here, mentions that it's a high fever. This is him flexing his physician's authorship here, letting us know this is not an ordinary fever. And we see Jesus rebuking it as if it was a demon. Maybe sometimes disease, like demonic oppression, is just a part of this fallen world in which we live, which Jesus came to save. And normally with a fever this high, you don't just bounce back and get ready to go. But Jesus' rebuke here not only heals but restores. And Peter's mother-in-law begins to show hospitality, which was a very high value in that culture of the day. And as the senior woman of the household, her role. So she gets up completely healed and in gratitude gets to work. Now, friends, I struggled with this. I was like, is this Jesus go going, Ma, the meatloaf! Make some meatloaf! Woman, let me heal you! No way. This is Christ and his healing, giving back purpose and love. Hasn't the same been done for us? Have we not been healed and given new life? Do not be afraid to, be, to ask God to give you more than you can handle. Desire it. Pray for it. Pray for deliverance and trust to do whatever comes your way. And I guarantee you will find very little that God is going to bring into your life, but instead what you're going to find is the things that you already done can be done in a new and deeper way. The love, the trust can be shown in a new, deeper way already with what is happening in your lives. Because when we trust completely, we let go of the need that when we're suffering or in pain, say to God, just tell me, God, tell me why this is happening to me. Tell me why I'm sick right now. Tell me why this is going on in our nation. Tell me why they would make this and that and this and that. Tell me why, so that I can give my consent, so I can understand your purpose. Jesus says, I don't want to give you, I don't want your consent to a bunch of circumstances. Jesus wants your yes. That's what trust is. To give your yes to Jesus in the midst of pain and suffering is an expression of trust and love. That's the first step to letting go of insecurities and fears is trusting in Him. That in the midst of the battle, no matter what, it belongs to Him. 
which is why I love what concludes in this text. The sun goes down, Sabbath over, everyone from the surrounding countryside bringing the sick and injured, friends and relatives to Jesus, and he heals them all. Listen, verse 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Look at what we see. Sicknesses, disease, problems, each one seen by the Lord. Each one noticed, each one touched, each one healed. And look at the piece about demons shouting and being silenced. Prisoners being freed, oppressed being liberated. These people who came to Jesus for healing remind us that we live in a broken world. Every sickness, every possession, every evil that we experience is a consequence of sin in this world. Death being a pretty common one that we will all face. A cruel reminder of what sin brings. And we inherit that from Adam, from generation to generation. And not only do we inherit it, but we add to it. We inherit a broken world, and our sin adds to the brokenness. But Jesus brings his power, his authority to us in order to undo the damage that sin has done to his creation. Every sickness that he healed, every demon he casts out, every person that he rises from the dead is a reveal of the curse of, is a reversal of the curse of sin. Every healing, a sign pointing us to the ultimate healing that Jesus brings to each one of us on his cross. On that cross, it was done. He endured the full wrath of God in our place. What does Isaiah say? He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought our peace was placed upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. It is over. Sin's power and sin's authority over your life has been broken and done away with. And the healing that Jesus gives to us is proven there in his resurrection. Where we have the promise that all his work, his perfect life, his sacrifice on the cross, all of it is for you and I. The promise that we will rise just as he rose. The promise that we will live with him forever. That is how he taught. That is how he lived. And that is what he gives. Power and authority. For the same word that spoke creation into existence is the same one that He promises to sustain and keep you. So let the power and authority of Jesus' word work and reign in your life. For it has what we need, and it does what it says. Put your trust in His promises. Build your house on the rock. Band. I need the band. We need the band. Where is it at? Now before I close... Since the band is not up here yet, but they're going to be, I can tell. And I can tell. Let me see your fingers. They're ready to play. I'd like to close in prayer. A simple prayer where we'll just repeat, Deliver me, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. And the way that it will work is this. We'll make the sign of the cross. We'll call upon the name that we were given in our baptism. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And after each request, will you simply say with me, deliver me, Lord Jesus. Sound good? 
In my mind, we had music. <laughs> so we're just going to pause. Not that it makes it better, but it's nice. All right, here we go. You make that sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. After each request, just say, deliver me, Lord Jesus, with me. From the belief that we have to earn your love, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From the fear that we are unlovable, Lord, because of what we have done, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From the false security that we have what it takes, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave us vulnerable, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From doubt in your word and your promises, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From the sin that so easily entangles us, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From anxiety about what is to come, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From resentment and a preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Lord Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Lord Jesus. Now let's pray, I trust in you, Jesus, that you would continually hold me, sustain me, and love me. I trust in you, Jesus, that your love is deeper than my sins, that your love is deeper than my feelings and transforms me. I trust in you, Jesus, that knowing what is to come is an invitation to trust in you, I trust in you, Lord Jesus, that you are with me in my suffering, in my pain. I trust in you, Jesus, that your plan is better than anything else. I trust in you, Jesus, that you hear me and that your goodness will come. I trust in you, Jesus, that I have received your forgiveness and that you give me the strength I need. I trust in you, Jesus you love me, see me, and have called me your own. I trust 